Hello, everybody. I'm Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Huh. I gotta be honest, y'all. The day we have had, the week we have had, the exciting things we're working on, I can finally relax now that we've sat down in the chair to do the show. Isn't it the truth? I mean, it's like, I, we were like, oh, we got so much to do. Do we cancel the show? No, it's the one time we get to chill a little bit and talk. And just talk. Yeah. And just gather together. Because, you know, like, I mean, where do we start? Well, where should we tell? I mean, we're, we're, we're working together on a TV project. And we have a big pitch coming up. And there's always a lot of voices that come to tell you how to write. And or or you can improve it this way and this way, and then we go well, wait, no, uh, and then you, there's negotiation. So we are just uh, scrambling, scrambling. I guess is the right word. But we are having yes, exciting creative times uh, that are the princessiest of problems. But Absolutely. hey, everybody, Absolutely. hey, Ken, Zana, Kitty, Erica, everybody, welcome in on this Friday afternoon. Evening, I'm sure some of you have started drinking. If you ever stopped, that seems like a good idea. Whether you're watching us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope, on Twitter, say hello, share the broadcast with your friends because Lord, there's a lot to talk about. Well, I, I've been off uh, of, of social media and I've turned off the news for the last couple of days. Has anything happened? Nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> nothing got announced at 10 o'clock last night. And nothing happened just right now. Wow. What just happened now? We just took him to the hospital. He's gone to Walter Reed. Yeah. 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 I guess those masks were a good idea after all. Well. Is that insensitive? Well, I, I would say, okay, look, real talk, because that's what we do here. Um, I am of the, like, why put negative things out into the world? And I don't need to wish ill anywhere, but I do think um, when you are the most powerful person in the world and you have had the opportunity for the last six months to guide and lead our country uh, through an incredibly challenging time and you have failed at every opportunity to look out for Americans, to protect Americans, to protect the citizens that look up to you, then yes, today I'm going to reserve my sympathy for the people who have had to go to work during this time to afford their house payments or because they worked in a front line or because they need to drive Lyft because they lost a job. That's where my sympathy is going to go and I'm going to just pay attention to these details. And perhaps I will, I will reserve my sympathy for the grandmother in Florida who died because her grandchild heard that it was it was not cool to wear a mask and brought COVID into their home and now she's dead. Those are the, those are the, that's where my empathy, that's where my sympathy goes. So, yep. uh, As yeah. As said, how can you get sick from a hoax? And it does make me even more angry once again at the people who know better, who out of partisan ideological allegiance have gone with the direction of diminishing the danger and importance of this particular catastrophe. There are people who have taken advantage of this uh, for pushing a particular brand of conservative values who should have known better. Absolutely. So amen, amen, amen. And we don't have to dwell on this, but um, um, same respect he showed the McCain family, Ken says. Yeah, okay, all right. 
super spreader RNC made every everyone there sick. Yes, uh, what's her name? Rona. Oh, is that her name? Rona, the the head of the RNC. Uh, Rona Romney McDaniel. He's now got COVID. She is tested positive for COVID. Um. Yeah, and it goes to, you know, I really don't. I don't wish anyone sick, but I will say these are the people who had access to all the most real information. You know, they do have access to the CDC, to the real, regardless of what they told the public, right? They were being given all of the information. All of these people had that access. And then and then Trump was saying, I mean, I heard something on one of the news shows last night when, you know, my phone started blowing up and I'm, literally passed out on the couch, not passed out drunk, but um, just asleep. Like I do often just wa trying to watch something and go. And then, so suddenly I I'm wide awake, of course, watching all of this. And he was saying, you know, he was quoting uh, his quote was about, well, she, you know, she likes to be with people. She likes to go out into the people. Well, guess what? They told us not to, and they told us to wear a mask. Your people, your people told us that. You disobeyed them. You ran this White House. You let people run around without masks because you were running around without a mask. And now look what's happening. Um, it's inevitable. I mean, it really truly was inevitable. It, the seriousness of COVID that we've all learned to respect, it was inevitable. Yeah. The And then related to that, doesn't it feel like that I mean, we're gonna, we'll use the word, it, that that debate was like a month ago. That debate, my God, that debate, that debate. I've, You know what I feel I could do though with that debate, looking at the positive of that debate is when I teach actors how to overlap, that would be a good, that, here's some overlapping, there's some overlapping, except, you know, couldn't hear anything. The, we pause for a second. Hey, yeah. I know it seems like some of y'all are struggling with the connection. Where are y'all watching? Are you on Facebook? Is there anybody that has a clear connection right now? It's a little delay from our broadcast to y'all, but let us know. Just a couple of people said they were uh, struggling. Uh, uh, is it, are we both, are you struggling with both of us or just one of us or? Trying to see if it's in like the full stream or if it's in one of the platforms. Is anybody, hey, Jigs on YouTube, are, are we clear for you? Just sit and look at each other, catch our breath from life for a minute. Wait, I could, uh, YouTube is working. Okay, so if y'all are have, struggling. Uh, Maybe it's Facebook. Yeah. Let's just blame them. I'm going to type it. Okay, so it's fine on the YouTube. Oh, so, so while you're doing that, Emerson, I just want to read uh, uh, the, the quote that I think will be haunting from that debate where Trump said, I will wear a mask when needed. When needed, I wear a mask. I don't wear a mask like him. Every time you see him, he's got a mask. He could be speaking 200 feet away and he shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. I don't think that quote will age well. Yeah. It, it, is, it is true. Um, you know, so that debate, sorry, y'all, I'm distracted. Bear with me, bear with us. Everybody say um, we're freezing. No, they all said it's fine on YouTube. So I've, I've, I've directed all of that. Uh, so I think about that debate. I don't know that there's any way for someone to control that. You know, there was a lot of shitting on Chris Wallace, but there is an element of like members of the media 
that have to defer to the office of the most powerful person in the world. You know, they can't be like Andy Cohen and treat it uh, like as a housewife and just be like, shut up, I'm talking. You know what I mean? I don't know that there's a win when the when the person who should be uh, behaving correctly and leading that isn't. I don't know how you fix, you know, the, if that's fixable for anybody. Well, it's not. So, um, yeah, everybody go to go to YouTube. I'm sorry. I'm a little distracted as well. I already, yeah, I, I, we, okay. yeah, we did all of that. All right. There, um, but, you know, maybe this means, although somebody just said he's negative. Y'all keep an eye on the news news and let us know. Um, the other thing, though, that we do want to cover from the debate, right, uh, is the inability to say, to denounce white supremacy. Yes. Well, he finally did after like four days. Well, right. But like, you know, there's a moment of like not wanting to get caught in a gotcha. And yes, there there were clips going around of he has certainly before and in other interviews, you know, following Charlottesville. But that shouldn't be a thing you have to think about. You should be easy, able, whatever point you want to make, it should always be easy, you know, if you're not racist, uh, to just say, yes, I denounce white supremacy. And I want to talk about, though, that you should da 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 da. Like, that shouldn't be hard. I, I think what you, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I do not want to put words in your mouth, Emerson Collins. I think what you, you're saying is you should not have to ask Chris Wallace how to say what he's asking you to say. Right. You, what do you want me to say? No, you should just say it. Yo, I'm censoring my mouth today. I'm really trying not to call him a motherfucker, okay? I am just trying because he's in the hospital. Uh, but it's very difficult for me. And somebody wrote me an email and told me that I needed to watch my mouth. Ooh. Well, I'm, I can see myself in the camera. I'm watching it just fine. <laughs> yes, I'm watching the profanity spew out of my mouth. Y'all, it's not going to happen. If you don't like me cussing, I, I'm, I'm, I swear we are on a platform that I don't have to watch my mouth. I don't have to censor myself and I'm not going to. And I think that most of you like that I don't censor myself. So there. They're like, that ship has sailed at this point in your life. And docked. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Uh, and, and what a weird uh, name for the, the Proud Boys. Like, oh, the Proud Boys. I mean, what you know where it comes from, right? Do you know where it comes from? I will, no. It's, <laughs> it's the most hilarious, like, Harriet, hilarious, like, you know, sort of gay stereotype, if you will. Um, there is a song in Aladdin, the musical on Broadway called Proud of Your Boy. It's not in the animated movie. It's only in the Broadway show. I think it was also in the Disneyland show, but I could be wrong. Um, that's where it comes from. It is an Aladdin, the musical reference. So you're telling me that this, this white supremacist group is inspired by a Disney musical? Uh-huh. Oh my God. Uh-huh. Yes, that's the sort of, well, you know, Gavin McInnes that founded it uh, as a drinking social club, I believe. Uh, he was one of the co-owners of Vice originally. Um, so anyway, they are, I love that he like mentioned them and then was like, wait, I don't really know who they are. All right. Well, well, all right, moving on, moving on. 
Um, but in other actually hilarious news, you don't watch Dancing with the Stars anymore, I do refused. you? I refused, although I should. I, how's Johnny Weir? How's my buddy doing? How's he doing? Good, great. Of course, great. Okay. I, now I'll stop. I'll start watching it. My reason uh, for not watching it, you're going to tell us now. Wait, you were not watching it because of Carol Baskin? Yeah, I didn't want to watch her. I didn't want to watch her. I didn't want to celebrate somebody who could possibly have murdered somebody. I just didn't. That's interesting to me. That's an inter just an interesting line. I mean, there have been the most terrible people have been on that show before. Nobody it's like conspiracy theory that she murdered her husband that there's no proof for. Well, that's true. There is no proof. But, it, you know, when he's missing and there's a bunch of tigers around. But did, just, so did you watch it up to this point or were you already not watching it and I'm said, I'm not going to watch it? That's kind of bored. Okay. I told you, I told you that when they stopped... You know, I watch it when there's an amputee on and I, I they kind of lost me with Bristol Palin. That's where and then I returned to it for a long time. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll go back. Maybe I'll go back. It was also that I was just eliminating some reality shows. You have to pick and choose Emerson. I was about to say I was like Sean Spicer was a lot more offensive to me than Carol Bass. I didn't watch him. I didn't either. I don't watch. But I did watch this week because it was the Disney night. Um, and Carol Baskin's final swan song performance was to the Lion King in a cat suit. But she didn't get to stay long enough to do like a waltz to memory from actual cats or anything. Betty Buckley would have shit gold bricks if Carol Baskin had performed to memory. I <laughs> yes. She's having shoulder surgery. She just had so shoulder surgery. I keep up. I keep up, y'all. Betty? Betty oh, Buckley. Good. We wish her well. Um, uh, but speaking of, and in the midst of all this, we both have things coming up. Remember? Remember? Yes, we do. If you don't know about that reference, Leslie Jordan in Southern Baptist City. Remember? Uh, this Sunday night at five o'clock, uh, the shit stir, that's me stirring a little tea. Just, uh, just Emerson's my, my very special guest and he will be helping me out all through it as well. Go to Delshores.com. Y'all, there's only one ticket left for the VIP. Four just, oh. just sold. We had five, but now there's only one. So that Zoom VIP, uh, if you want to grab a couple, we'll 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 add a couple. Um, it is in it, it is Emerson, me, and Rosemary Alexander, Newell Alexander, and Ann Walker. Uh, they're going to join us, our very special sort of guests. We're going to just hang out and drink, and I'm going to tell a, a couple of stories that I will not be able to tell um, in the virtual show that's going out wide because um, there are some relatives of mine that probably would come a hunting for me. So I am just, uh, I'm not going, I'm not going to tell those two, of the, two stories that I'm going to tell privately in the Zoom. You've heard them both. But so y'all join us on Sunday. And remember, if you don't have the money, it's streaming on Dell's Facebook page. You can show up for free. And rather than paying, you can share the broadcast to welcome some more people to the show. So it is just a suggested donation. Don't not show up for fund reasons. But I have to say, Emerson, there's over like 60 people who have already bought tickets for it. And I am so grateful. And we are so grateful because Emerson's participating in this and we all get a little money. So it's all good. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you who support our work. And you and Blake have a show. 
We sure do. We're excited. We just announced this week on Jackie Cox's Good Morning Tonight daytime show that Blake and I are going to do another living room cabaret live stream uh, at the end of October, the weekend before Halloween, on a Sunday night. Uh, we're calling it Once Upon a Lockdown because uh, it's all fairy tales, witches, freaks, um, theming in the shows. We've made some new mashups that, of songs that do not go together, some new medleys of songs no one asked for us to sing in a row. There's a Disney villain melody uh, medley. Um, Are y'all wearing, wearing the costumes? No. Oh, come on. I need to see those costumes. No, oh. see, they're in that photo. You can see them. No, I can't sing a song dressed like a slut that doesn't, the costume doesn't show. I believe I've heard you. I, I don't think you ever have. No, but I know you've done it. I, I have never sung a song dressed like a slut. I don't really? do those things at the same time. I'm no. kidding. I did with the Skibbies at Christmas sing a song dressed as rather naked Jesus. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so y'all, we're going to do that live stream to our private YouTube. Those tickets are now on sale. If you've got questions, ask me about it uh, and I'll tell you. But we're really excited. We had a lot of fun doing our first show together ever. Uh, for the Public Theater of San Antonio uh, earlier this summer. So we thought, well, let's just do it again and give it a theme. It was fantastic, by the way. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you um, for sharing your talents. Well, you know, we sure uh, thought we could. All right, well, what we do here, theoretically, y'all, is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. So thanks for sticking with us through technical difficulties, and we'll get on to some of those uh, quickly. And I want to start off with a story that sort of fits the theme we have talked about several times uh, about the challenges within our own queer community and supporting Black Lives Matter and realizing as white LGBTQ people, our experiences are different than black and people of color. Um, because up in Michigan, Sergeant Larissa LeMay is a white gay sergeant and she is stewing the state police claiming that its new diversity initiative discriminates against white people like her, and at the same time alleges that she was subjected to a homophobic atmosphere by her supervisor. So she's suing for both discrimination for being gay and discrimination for being white. So when we talk about intersectionality, this lawsuit is a great example of how we as white people have privilege we don't notice even within our own community. Uh, in January, she did not get a promotion that went to a black woman instead. She claims the other officer has been disciplined for failing to show up for work and falsifying records to conceal it and therefore didn't earn the promotion. Three other white employees have sued for the same thing since May. They all mention comments made by a state police director, Colonel Joseph Gasper, when he said that the department, uh, which is 90% white, compared to only 78% of the state's population and 91% male, he said the department was too white and way too male. He added that he wanted to set aside a portion of future job openings for women and minorities. Now, Larissa LeMay says this comment is standard operating procedure and a pattern and practice of racial preferences designed to favor blacks over whites at all levels of the agency. Now, y'all, that's so like white people saying affirmative action is a bad thing, right? It's discriminatory in favor of black people. Nowhere in the, his statement, though, right, did he say that they should be unqualified, underqualified black people or women. He's saying if we're 90% white and 91% male and our state is only 78% percent 
white and significantly less than that female, our hiring doesn't even line up with representing the population, which represents a problem, right? We should reflect the communities that we represent. He's not saying pick a black woman who had never done anything before and put her in a job. Does that, do you follow? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then she turns around and says uh, that Keon Whitfield, a commander of the state police post in Oak Park, expounded six to seven times on the oddity of a gay law enforcement officer. It also alleges that Whitfield's bias against gay employees was laid bare in the presence of 10 surgeons and one lieutenant. Nobody reported the comments until five months later. So do you see where we, we experience discrimination as LGBTQ people and she did have that, but then is not able to turn around and see how it's likely that people of color and black people are being discriminated against in hiring practices if they're not even remotely equal to the population they're governing. It's sort of uh, a blindness in my opinion. How do you, do you, have, do you see what, where I'm I, going with her? I agree with you completely. Um, so yeah, that's the, it, it, and, and in, in that, it, it feels like to me, what he was doing was responding to what is going on in this country and saying, Hey, there is systemic racism right here in our department and we have to do something about it. And then she felt like that it was, uh, what, what, what people call reverse discrimination. That's what right. she's trying to say, which is and and, and what we have to look at, right, when we're talking about changing systemic racism, if there is racism in a system, you do have to be proactive to change it, right? If I only have white gay male friends and I want to make something, I reach out to the people I know. I'm more likely to only work with white gay men people. It's the same thing in entire industries. You know, you're more inclined to, to if people are equal, to relate to someone whose experience is the same as yours. And so to change that, that they have mostly hired white and mostly hired white men, you do have to actively look for candidates that should be equal, not hire underqualified people to fill a quota, but you right. do have to be proactive to counter that the system is most likely to perpetuate itself. Yes. They need you, Emerson. They need you to go up there. And it's like me. I have to be conscious of that too, right? I'm more likely to relate to a white gay man from the South. It's We have the greatest communication. If I'm going to pull people in to create something, I have to work a little harder to think outside of the people I most easily connect to. That's that's, And, and tree training your brain to proactively think that way is something we can all work at doing. Thank you for not saying young. Thank you. I appreciate that. Young gay male from the South. And uh -huh. I would have felt like, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, just, yeah, I love that old, that. I love that old Southern moment where they get emotional very quickly like this. Uh-huh. Anyway, all right, moving on. Uh, we had in October uh, 2018, Adam Levine, the owner of uh, Arriva Capital, the parent company of Pride Media, which represents uh, the advocate and out, pledged to no longer donate to anti-LGBT candidates after Queerty, our buddies there, they exposed them. Then Pride Media CEO Nathan Coyle said that uh, Levin's... Uh, uh, I guess it's Levin or Levine, uh, Levin, I believe it is. Donations had to do with each candidate's 
pro-Israel or pro-cannabis policies and nothing to do with their anti-LGBT stances. A former Pride media staffer told LGBTQ Nation that in 2018, uh, Levin met with staff saying he was apologetic and he seemed like he was speaking to us straight up. Um, this is a straight up guy. I love the way he keeps saying straight, straight up guy who has never uh, had to deal with actions that are in direct conflict with the people he employed or the publications that are directly in line with the LGBT community. Well, Levin has broken his pledge mm, because during Pride Month, during Pride Month this year, he donated $2,800 each to Republican incumbent Senators Steve Daines in North Carolina and Tom Tillis in North Carolina. I mean, North, North Dakota with Steve Daines and, and Tom Tillis in North Carolina, who have both had huge uh, anti-LGBTQ records. The importance here is that both are in races that are crucial to determining which party controls the Senate. We feature Tillis's Democratic cha challenger, Cal Cunningham, here on the show as one of our Flip the Senate Spotlight candidates. So defending himself in 2018, Levin told Queerty, I've made donations to APLA, to the uh, LA LGBT uh, Center, and recently made a commitment to gay men's health crisis. In addition, I've donated to the campaigns of many pro-LGBTQ candidates who have included Adam Schiff, Gavin Newsom, uh, John Ching, uh, Dan Adler, and was campaign manager for Dan's bid to uh, win California's 36th congressional district seat. But there is no record of his support for pro-LGBTQ candidates this time around. So it's worth, you know, it's just interesting. It's worth noting, like the privilege you have to not worry about that as a straight man who works certainly several levels above two outlets we obviously love. Um, but that he gets to focus on just the cannabis and the things he cares about with those candidates. But giving specifically to candidates that are in the races that matter for flipping the Senate is a pretty strong statement uh, he's making. Um, I This next story is just silly. I wanted to show y'all this thing. You know, there's a big old uh, bonkers conservative uh, blogger, if you will. And he said the dumbest thing. And I just wanted to get y'all's opinions on it. Uh, he put up this tweet about emojis. Y'all, he said, every day I see more grown adult men use emojis. First of all, the plural of emoji is emoji. There is no excuse for this. Emojis are for children and women. Do you think your great grandfather would have been caught dead using emojis if the internet existed back then? Have some self-respect, God's sake. Gifts are okay though. Memes are a case by case basis. Thank, no, you. I mean, Thank you. Oh, I needed to know that. Oh, I'm sure he's doing a little bit of trolling in this because, you know, as a blogger, you get views by saying controversial things. But like that's just exhausting, toxic masculinity. Like you can't send a thumbs up to somebody. I mean, you don't have to use the dancing woman that I use all the time. I'm right. sure you could argue for the more masculine nature of of certain emoji. But like the idea that sending tiny pictures to people is like uh, is not masculine, sir. I just sent I just sent you some emojis, Emerson. I don't. Oh, know. he did. He just sent me some hearts. Also, y'all, I don't know about you. I use a lot of emojis because you know I'm a little snarky, and sometimes when I text, I want to make sure it doesn't come across more biting than I intend when I'm making a joke. So I do a lot of this one. 
Uh -huh. Like that guy with the one eye with the one eye wink and the tongue out to be like, ha ha, kidding here. You know, um, someone in our family died. I think you know this story, but for a long time I didn't realize that um, the crying emoji was uh, for laughing. And so I sent out that when I was upset that someone had died and my daughter Caroline writes me, dad, wrong emoji, wrong emoji. <laughs> it's very confusing because the one with the tears that go this way is laughing. The one, the tears that go this way is crying. Streaming. Streaming is sad. And then the one is like, you know, I kind of gave a shit about her, but not that much. You know, where it's just a little bit of a- Oh, for like, you, that one's ironic. Yeah. To me, that's, oh, that's sad. It's sad. Not, a little bit. I'm not like- No, I just mean a little bit sad. It's not, yeah. I, don't, I don't care that much. Uh, just uh, That one bit. to me is like, oh no. And the full streaming is like, I'm destroyed. Well, it's like, you know, sometimes people go, Adele, I'm so sorry I was unavailable yesterday because uh, my grandmother died. And so, so I send that one little tear because I didn't know your grandmother. So I don't really feel that much. I just feel, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> enough. All right. Anyway, um, bless his ridiculous heart. This is this is uh, kind of a, a, a hateful, sad story that turns really good, and I love those kind of stories. So Gabriel is a 13-year-old eighth grader in Lincoln, Nebraska. He played piano at church uh, uh, at every Sunday with a music group, calling himself a proud member of the church. Then he wore a white T-shirt, which you can see in this picture, with a small rainbow in it that said, true to you. He says, then the elders of the church found out I was wearing pride gear. They told me since I am a leader, they wouldn't want me to be promoting things that they are against. He was forced to step away from the music group. His mother, Colleen, said that she was surprised that the church reacted this way, saying they described themselves as inclusive and welcoming. And she shared the story on Facebook. And it only took a matter of hours. And then it got big really, really fast, she says. She got overwhelmingly <clears throat> positive responses. I'm not getting emotional. I just had like something in my throat. A Facebook group called uh, Drag Queen Story Hour Nebraska shared the story and created an address where people could send messages of support and uh, going through the email they received from the story, Colleen said, one read, I am a teacher and I have students who love and look up to me. Sometimes it's kids like you that need to teach grownups a thing or two. Frank Rourke owns a printing shop in Lincoln and he made 500 cards that said, love is never wrong. He gave them to people who wanted to send Gabriel supportive messages. Colleen thanked him saying, you took what could have been one of the worst experiences and turned them into one of the best experiences. And Gabriel said, there's a lot of good, there's a lot, now I'm getting emotional. There's a lot of good in the world and there's a little bit of bad in the world. But when the bad comes, the good comes too. So I'm glad that Gabriel took that lesson out of this hateful, horrific church that, that yeah. made him feel less, tried at least to make him feel less than for wearing a rainbow. And this sweet little, and his sweet mother, who didn't want uh, to trash the church, she just wanted to share and lift up her son. Like, what a great, uh, what shining examples they are for all of us. I love Colleen. I'm loving uh -huh. Colleen. All right, y'all, we have reached the center point of our show, for better or for worse. 
And I promise that we work hard to put this show together and bring you fun stories and serious stories and things we think we should know about impacting our community. Uh, so if you've got lots of money and you want to send a little bit of it to us, you can send us a tip on Venmo at Emerson Collins or to PayPal Beard Collins Shores at productions at gmail.com. Thank you, Michael Shea, who's already done that uh, today. We do appreciate it, but obviously it is not required. And I hear the freeze is gone on Facebook. We're all, we're coming in at full force now. Oh, thank good. I'm so glad. And y'all, we do, it is very meaningful, but we, we don't require it. We do share it because we know there are those of you who can, and it's really helpful. Uh, and the rest of you, we're just glad that you show up and hang out with us. Uh, it really is a highlight in our day. It um, is. Is I mean we were so busy we were so busy and there were there was a discussion Emerson and I had this discussion shall we cancel the show today because we had so much work to do on our project and I said you know what for me because I've been so anxious and I'm worried you know about my show on Sunday night and I have a you know a, no laughter or how, is it going to be okay y'all you give us like I don't know there's a connection that makes me calm down a little bit I mean yeah. this is calm this is calm for me. Well, and for me, you know, as I've quit trying to engage on social media and the hellscape that is Twitter, this is my place to, to share with you all uh, what I think about what's happening in our world and, and hear what you all think in response. So you know, we were like, no, let's do this. We're going to have fun with y'all and then we'll get back to work uh, at the end of this. I even sent the link to this show to our partner that we're working with on this stuff and said, by the way, if you want to see what we're doing, uh, come check it out. In fairness, they are incredibly busy as well. And, uh, and the most amazing partners as well. Yeah, we are right, We adore them. So, um, and we're not even just saying that in case she's watching. No, um, no, I don't. I, I don't think she would be. <laughs> she's way far too busy to watch. So but much to do. I love Kelly. Uh, and uh, the all right, moving on. I've done this uh, an interesting bit of information. A new study from the University of California in San Francisco looked at nearly 10,000 people in their 30s and 40s and found that one third of LGB people experience migraines. Uh, I think they didn't set aside specifically trans versus cisgender people. That's why I'm saying it that way. Um, so LGB participants experienced migraines 58% more than their heterosexual counterparts. Uh, it affects more than one in six Americans and also have shown that black Americans disproportionately suffer from migraines as well as people with lower incomes. Now, they didn't come up with conclusions as to why our communities suffer more migraines, but the prevalence of bias is believed to play a part. I mean, it would say it makes sense, right? You think about black people, LGB people, poor people, and the kind of stress that exists in your lives, our lives because of bias and how that could impact this. The study took place between 2016 and 18, coinciding with the presidential election in the first half of the Trump presidency. The study's lead author said, uh, Dr. Jason Nagata, there might be a higher rate of migraines in LGB people because of discrimination, stigma, or prejudice, which may lead to stress and trigger a migraine. So just maybe. But it was interesting to see specific uh, percentages saying we do experience them more often. I'm gonna turn into one of my characters. Might be. Might be. Um, John, I'm very broke, but did give a few dollars. That's oh. very sweet, John. But y'all, as we tell our investors in our projects, do not give us money you will miss. No, do not don't. go without yourself do to not. give us something. Y'all, and I mean, don't go without that, that bottle of wine you need, that bottle of whiskey you need, that coffee you need in the morning. 
do not give up something to donate to us. We do only not. want money from people who won't miss it. Yeah, do not give us your whiskey money. Do not give us your vodka money. We know how important that is right now. Kitty um, said, most trans people experience anxiety, stress, and depression. There's more to my poor fellow trans brothers and sisters. Absolutely. And I think uh, this specific study probably didn't ask that as a question in their identifiers before they did the surveys. So I think that's probably the reason that's not pulled out as a separate statistic here. And obviously uh, there's many LGB people in the trans part of our community as well. But Yeah, uh, I, I, we're gonna go, go on along, but uh, if, if there's time or it, on some other show, I'm gonna tell you about how uh, I got rid of my migraines through a psychic. Tell us now, fuck it, it's our show. I was in in Australia and I would have these migraines. I mean, to to the the degree that I literally had to stand up to write sometimes. And a lot of people have the frontal ones, mine were in the back and they would just shoot through. And it was on my 17th day of of this headache. And this little woman named Trudy Moore came up to me in Sydney, Australia, after a screening of Sorted Lives, I was directing a movie over there with Olivia Newton-John and Sorted Lives just happened to be in a film festival. So they asked me to come and she waited for me afterwards. And she said, I wanna ask you a question. I'm not gonna try to do her accent. She said, are you in pain? And I said, emotional or, uh, or, or physical? And she said, well, honey, I just saw your movie. I know you're in emotional pain. and. So I, I told her I had been in pain for uh, uh, 17 days and she took my hand and she said, look, it's connected to the church. It's connected to those pews that used to sit, you used to sit in. So I went through this, not there, but we planned a time where she did what is called surgery of the soul. And it was all vision and a little bit of hypnosis. And she took me back to a church pew when I was a little boy, like in, in fourth or fifth grade, and she took some scissors and there was, I saw a rope and like connected to my dad at the pulpit and she cut that rope. My headache went away immediately and I've never had another headache like that. Now my friend Sharon Lane, when I told her I was gonna do it, she said, oh, Dale, don't do it. It'll ruin your career. <laughs> so, you don't have any trauma, what are you gonna write about? So anyway, that I know we got a little over there, but it was a- Oh, please, it's our fucking show. Erica got rid of hers by going gluten-free. Uh, I got rid of mine by stop by stopping arguing with stupid people on the internet. Well, look at you, okay. All right, well, back to the show. Are you anything else before no. I- no. flip? We're, we're gonna spotlight Gary Peters today. Uh, and this week, both of our Flip the Senate spotlight, they're both from Michigan. Uh, in the Senate, we need to support Gary Peters to hold his seat. And there's a lot of fighting going on in Michigan right now. The Supreme Court, read about that today with uh, uh, against the, the, the governor there. In the Senate, we need to support Gary Peters to hold his seat. The polls have tightened between him and the Republican challenger. He desperately needs our support. Uh, he served in the House and is out now up for re-election and after his first term in the Senate. He has been ranked as one of the most effective and bipartisan Democratic members of the Senate by nonpartisan organizations like the Center of Effective Lawmaking, the Luger Center, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. A leader on national security and veterans issue, uh, uh, Gary serves as the ranking member of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee and is a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, holding this seat is important for winning the Senate and Trump narrowly 
and surprisingly won Michigan in 2016. So, and you know, he's had a big battle with their, their governor who is uh, over COVID mostly. And today she lost in the Supreme Court uh, all of the, the mandates that she had, had issued. They overturned her. So yeah. a lot of uh, infighting in Michigan between the parties. And then in our LGBTQ spotlight, I've wanted to talk about John Hoadley uh, for a while because uh, he's our spotlight. He would be Michigan's first LGBTQ member of Congress, but also in Michigan, his opponent, uh, incumbent Fred Upton and Republican PACs in support of him have been running a disgusting smear campaign using a bunch of out of context quotes from a blog Hoadley had in college in 2004 and 2005 trying to paint him as a misogynist, a pedophile, and a sexual predator for, for like dumb phrases he used on his blog. He called uh, straight people breeders at one point. They don't even understand that that phrase is about all straight people because they said he was misogynistic. Another commenter made a joke about not wanting to see little girls in thongs and they're calling it a pedophile. So they're using sort of in-group in gay lingo and references to paint him as creepy. And the Victory Fund has been fighting really hard in support of him, too. And East Parker, the CEO, you know, the former mayor of Houston that we love, said, Fred Upton is running the most homophobic campaign in America. And his refusal to denounce these Trumpian tactics makes his self-righteous calls for civility look absurd. His silence cues supporters to invest more than $500,000 in misleading attack eyes. Ad, sorry. And she says, Allies to LGBTQ people must speak out and condemn these attacks, and the LGBTQ community must invest in John's race. That's why we are focusing on him today. So, but to focus on the positive and why should we should want to elect him anyway, he and his partner Chris live with their Beagle Benjamin. He's been a state rep for the last five years, and he says about his campaign, whether it's skyrocketing prescription drug costs, global threats to manufacturing and agriculture, or deteriorating air quality and water quality, our country is facing massive threats to our economic security and the future of our families. The politics and partisanship of Washington are making matters worse instead of better. If we want to change our politics, we need to change the politicians who are supposed to be fighting for us. I'm running for Congress because it's time we put people in community back at the center of our decisions. It's time we face the future and our country's challenges head on with fresh ideas. So y'all check out John Hoadley. Go throw him a few dollars if you can afford it. Um, and particularly because he's facing one of the most uh, homophobic ads. And a handsome man. Um, and I do want to say a huge thank you uh, to everyone who's joined my little campaign where I put all 20 of our candidates together. I just checked and we've given $1,999. Uh, to be split among these 20 candidates. So I just put it in the chat room. If you want to uh, give to all of these at one time, uh, you can hit that link as well. I, I donated Emerson. I did it and I felt really good about it. And then, of course, you gave me some advice because I said, and then you go on the email list. So you've got to check the right box. If you want to go on all those email lists, good but you will go on all of their email lists. But and I know a lot of y'all have the time and you're given directly to the candidates through their page. Great. I just did this to make it easier for, uh, for people. I love who that you did it. And look how much you've raised for them. It's amazing. So, all and right. Well, and I will say the other night during the, that debate, I was getting so frustrated watching nothing be accomplished uh, and nothing be discussed 
uh, useful for the American people that I emailed all of my friends that aren't, don't watch our show that link because it felt like a productive thing to do. I want to address this because Leanne, you've talked about her a bunch of times. Leanne, Amy isn't on our list for the show only because she's one of the most talked about in the whole country. Most more people are familiar with Amy McGrath as Amy McGrath as Mitch McConnell's opponent than they are any of these others. So she's being spotlighted at a lot of places. If we run out of others, we might get to her right before the election. But we're talking about her now. I have donated to her, uh, and I, I, God, I hope she wins. All right. So uh, on to Poland. We've talked a lot about Poland's uh, growing anti-LGBTQ sentiments and laws, and now diplomats of 50 countries, 50 y'all, have signed an open letter urging the Polish government to respect and protect its LGBTQ uh, uh, citizens. The letter was signed by the envoys from India, Mexico, Norway, South Africa, Ireland, Finland, Japan, Malta, Spain, New Zealand, Venezuela, Australia, Israel, Sweden, the UK, and the USA, among other countries. They, their call for tolerance says human rights are universal and everyone, including LGBT uh, uh, T, uh, persons, are entitled to their full enjoyment, respect for their for these fundamental rights, obliges governments to protect all citizens from violence and discrimination and to ensure they enjoy equal opportunity. And they cite a greater need to work towards non-discrimination, tolerance, and mutual acceptance in sectors, including education, health, social affairs, citizenship, public service, and public documents. It ends saying, this is something that everyone should support. The letter is pointedly, U.S. Ambassador to Poland, Georgette uh, Mosh Becker. Mosh, I, yes, I, I, did, I looked at an interview to try to get her name right. Mosh Becker uh, did an interview slamming Poland in support of the letter. She said, the U.S. stands firm for the equality of all peoples. Human rights are not an ideology. Uh, an ideology. They are universal. You must know that in terms of LGBTQ plus rights, you are on the wrong side of history. Rever referring to the zone, she said, I know that this is not entirely fair, but through such symbols, Poland has acquired the image of a state that does not respect people of different sexual orientation. She said, adding that when it comes to human rights, there are no compromises. And what I love about this, and you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Poland because I've been really personally following the story really closely because there's been so many movement with their election and everything, is that here we have our U.S. ambassador out there speaking better for LGBTQ people than our Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is doing at the United Nations. If anything, it almost makes her look like, you know, well, how can the U.S. be, how can you say that? You represent the U.S. where they're over there fighting against us at the United Nations. But I do love that she's out there defending what our standards should be. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Yes, it does make sense. And I was going to say, it wouldn't take much to do right. much. Well, and also that she's doing it anyway. She's like, even if this administration isn't doing the work, this is what I think we should be standing for. And I'm signing. We're in it. We're on it. Um. All right, this next story. Now, this may not be, particularly those of you that aren't in our, that aren't LGBTQ people, you may not know the name Timothy Ray Brown, uh, but he passed away this week. And y'all, he is 
one of the most important people uh, in the fight uh, to find a cure for HIV. He is known as the Berlin patient. You may know that name better. Um, his death was not related to HIV, um, which doctors have said he effectively got rid of from his body 12 years ago. He's the first person to achieve essentially a functional cure. He lived in Palm Springs with his partner, Tim Hofgen. Um, and in 1995 in Berlin, he was diagnosed with HIV. 11 years later, he went through treatment uh, because he was also diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia and it required him getting to bone marrow transplant. His doctor, Jero Huther, uh, used stem cells from a donor with a rare genetic mutation that blocks HIV from entering cells. So after the intense cancer treatment, it left him, uh, his immune system resistant to the virus. So in 2008, his case was presented to, to a conference on retrovirus uh, and opportunistic infections. The story received widespread attention in 2011 when he came out publicly on the cover of Paws magazine as the Berlin patient. His case gave doctors unprecedented direction in what avenues to explore for potential cures. He's famously shy, but has worked nonstop with scientists, doctors, and researchers uh, to learn more about a potential widespread cure, because the idea of doing bone marrow transplants like what he received isn't an effective route. So in an interview with Mark King, featured in Plus Magazine, his partner, Tim, said that Brown told him, tell people to keep fighting, fight for a cure for HIV that works for everyone. I never wanted to be the only one. I'm gonna keep fighting until I just cannot fight anymore. So while it may not be a name that you know, he was a lion in uh, giving doctors a, a real focal point and a belief that a cure for HIV is possible. Uh, even if they have to find another way to achieve it. So, um, and then devoted his life after being essentially cured and living with the effects of his uh, blood cancer, his leukemia. Um, what an amazing man and a name that we should all know and celebrate um, as he passes on. Yes, and fought so hard and, and way too early left us. So, all right, and some kind of fun news. We all- Yes, like, no, today was a lot. We know like the stories were serious. Our country's in shambles. Um, but here's a few fun things to go out on. I'm sure that people are a little disappointed. I did not get to impersonate a bigot pastor this week, but uh, uh, this is- this Wait, before you do, Stephen Bloodworth met Timothy in 2013, said he was one of the sweetest, kindest men I ever met. I love that. You know, oh. someone who's who by circumstance ended up being an important activist just for the circumstances of his life. All right. Well. Um, in our, our, our fun nonsense news, um, the Rosebud Motel of Schitt's Creek fame, uh, used for all six seasons and made famous by Schitt's Creek, will be up for sale next month, according to owner Jesse Tipping. The site became popular tourist destination in Orangeville, Ontario. Ontario. It's just an hour uh, west of Toronto. Fans reportedly trek out daily to see it. Uh, Tipping said... We just kind of let them enjoy it because if they are not bothering anybody, eh, uh, people get a kick out of it. He bought the motel in 2011 as a space to hold, uh, to house basketball recruits. He is a president of Canada's most competitive prep school basketball program. So Schitt's Creek rented uh, the motel for one month 
every year for the past six years, the property was first founded as a resort in the 60s and Tipping thinks there may be a pool buried somewhere on the ground. And I guess in Canada, they thought we don't need it. So he praised the time he uh, spent with the crew and cast. I love this part of the story. He said, they didn't just come in and do their thing. They interacted with the people around them. Uh, they were just a great bunch of folks to work with. Amid filming rooms in the uh, property were also discreetly listed in an Airbnb. He says, we're pretty consistently booked. It wasn't an expensive rental. Each room we have set up as a little mini apartment. It has its own kitchen and fridge. Uh, it's more than just motel rooms. They all just are like little apartments. In total, the structure contains eight of these mini apartments and a three-bedroom home. So Tipping has planned to sell the property earlier, but the pandemic delayed his plans for the past several months. He has lent it to a local organization in need of a place to quarantine folks. So he did good stuff. I really wanted to know how much it was going for, but he refuses to tell. Yeah, I know. And I was obsessed with finding out that they really are like tiny apartments and there's like a whole three bedroom house in it. Whoever buys it, if they don't immediately turn it into like a, a spit, make it the rosebud, like make those rooms and let people pay a lot of money. I would pay so much money to stay in a suite with Catherine O'Hara's wigs on the wall. Yeah, they should do it like a, they, they should do decorate it. Like yeah. you go in and you're in um, the kid's room and yeah. And, and I'm not surprised to hear, but it's lovely to hear that, that, that of course, Dan and Eugene and that cast and their producers and crew were wonderful to work with. Full disclaimer, it's why I put up the second picture. It does not come with the Rosebud Motel sign. So if you buy it, I think you'll have to specially order that to put it back on. Then it's in storage somewhere. I bet I'm it sure. Um, but I love that. It made me happy. I was like, ah, oh. and that they were airbnb the room. I would absolutely go to Canada to Airbnb the rooms from Schitt's Creek. I love it. Go. It made my heart happy. Um, and also just because like, I love them. I, you know, as we're working and, you know, writing and doing things, I find what they did with that show, who Dan Levy is, the opportunity he got, obviously combined with his father and their experience, but clearly they created this together. And then Eugene let Dan run this world, you know, that as he wrote and directed and created these characters we love so much, I just find them so inspirational for what we do. I just, they make my heart happy. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, and then in, you know, other, um, News, a sports ball story, y'all. This week, professional soccer team, the San Diego Loyal, gave up their chance to make a championship playoffs after a homophobic slur was allegedly directed at their openly gay player, Colin Martin. The team says that a player from the Phoenix Rising made the comment at the end of the first half of the game. Martin alerted the fourth official during the match, prompting both team managers to trade barbs over the incident. Returning for the second half, the San Diego Loyal took a knee, then walked off the, fit, the pitch. They forfeited the game entirely, despite being in the lead, I believe. Uh, the player that they accused did say on Twitter uh, uh, that, that, he, that, didn't, that he didn't say it. Uh, pardon me, I'm losing the end of my brain at the end of the show. The San Diego Loyal tweeted, we do not stand for racism or homophobia. Uh, a member of the Phoenix Rising used a homophobic slur directed at Colin Martin. In response, we have decided to walk off the pitch in protest. Last week, we made it loud and clear that we do not stand for racism or homophobia. Nothing has changed this week. Hashtag all black lives matter. 
because a week before they stage a walk-off in a different game after a player on that opposing team used a racial slur against one of their players. So they've walked off in defense of a black player, walked off in defense of a of a a gay player. And that is so impressive to really put your money where your mouth is and say, no, none of us will accept this. Uh, Now the player did say in a lengthy statement, at no point did I say a homophobic slur towards Colin Martin. I do not know Colin personally, but all I respect all of my opponents equally, I stand in solidarity with the LGBT movement. Uh, Martin came out two years ago and the manager of his team, the loyal said, We went through a really hard incident last week and we made a vow to ourselves, to our community, to our players, to the club, to USL, that we would not stand for bigotry, homophobic slurs, things that don't belong in our game. You know, it's one thing to say the words. It is another thing to give up doing what you love, just like Colin Kaepernick did, right? You know, being willing to walk away from doing the thing you love to stand for what you believe in. And y'all know I don't follow sports ball, but I tell you what, I sure wouldn't mind going to see a San Diego loyal game. That's yeah, who yeah. soccer players legs. Uh, and this, they, is Colin, this is Colin Martin in action, by the way. Uh, the player uh, well, who came yeah. out and his teammates uh, stood behind this. I game. could get I could get into soccer. I could get into soccer. I um, can't believe I could. That's where they do the World Cup, right? The, with, yes, that is that is the end of and I believe the USL is a lower it's not in the MLB uh or whatever. I, I don't know, y'all. I, I'm pretending to talk about this stuff like I know what any of those acronyms mean. Well, but I believe they aren't the same as like the LA Galaxy. I will be talking about the World Cup. I know it's shocking in my show The Shit Stir on Sunday night, but how I figured out who to root for. It's a very unusual way. Emerson oh, yes. Perfect. Okay, we have to see this. Hugh Jackman, who we absolutely love, and you go, what's gay about Hugh Jackman? Well, wait till you see this commercial for a boot company. Uh, He goes in great length uh, to say that how much he loves the footwear, and he tweeted, what can I say? These boots are comfortable. Y'all enjoy the video. We are delighted that you love R.M. Williams boots. I'm actually, like, in love. They're great. They're amazing. Right. Really? This makes this next bit a little awkward. Oh, we're on the same team here, mate. So, yeah. uh, yes, we are, uh, sir. While we appreciate how literally you've taken the clause that stipulates you can only wear R.M. Williams. My word is my bond. When I say I'm in, I am all in, you know? And honestly, it's me who should be paying you. Uh, it's a privilege. <laughs> no, it is. It's a privilege. <clears throat> that's lovely to hear. I, I do want to note that you are allowed to... to and we highly encourage you to wear other clothes. No, we don't. Look at, look at clothes in general. Look, 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 not look, just... look, hang, hang. look at this. It's one beautiful piece of leather. Beautiful stitching and they're comfortable. I mean, the balls on my feet just oh, feel like they've died. The balls? Uh-huh. Widely I'm still here. And just went to ball heaven. If you're not I just went to ball heaven Seriously, too. Seriously, it's changed my life. 88 handmade processes, but I think you may be missing the point. Oh, no, no, no. I, I hear you. Don't worry. Loud and clear. Only R.M. Williams. Yeah, uh, you're gonna stand up now. Oh, this is what is uh-huh. this? It's uh-huh. a new chair. A new chair. Mm. That's awesome. You should be sit. You should, you, honestly, you should sit in there. I would. I'd like to be that. the chair. Oh, just gonna burn it. Everything in our rooms is just so comfortable. I loved so it. For your entertainment, he goes. You can have that chair. <laughs> I would happily be that chair. Oh well. Oh. All right, y'all. A huge thank you uh, to Leanne, Patrick, Ray, Erica, Michael, 
uh, Bob, for your tips and contributions. Y'all know the drill. It's in the 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 scroller below. Venmo at Emerson Collins or PayPal Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. And we'll see y'all on Sunday at Dell Show. Yes, and Missy May wants to say hello. Thank you all for joining us on this Friday, warm Friday in Los Angeles. Uh, y'all have a great weekend and uh, do something fun if you can.